This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year and welcome to the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is the first ever NFL Week 18 betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I'm joined as always by my Action Network colleague and the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. Happy New Year. What's going on? What's going on, brother? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone out there. It's our third ever Week 18 in NFL history. Early 90s, they had one when teams had a day to double buy. Yep. And then uh, teams complained and said it just messed up their rhythm. So they went back to 17. And then with 9-11, there was an 18th week as well. Week 17 went well for me. Hopefully, people swept my five picks. I went four and one here. But by the time the podcast was released, I think Washington was like plus four and a half everywhere. So hopefully you got a better number than I did on Washington because I lost by plus three and a half. And uh, we had to sweat the Raiders under a good week 17. But uh, who cares? We're on to week 18 and then the playoffs, which I can't wait for. And uh, let's just hope for minimum COVID interruptions with the playoffs. All right, we'll jump straight into the weekend six-pack for Week 18 presented by the Athletic Brewing Company. Before we do a couple quick notes, first, in case you're new here, please download the free award-winning Action Network app. It's the top-rated app for sports bettors, and it lets you track every bet that you make. Speaking of the app, if you want to reference our six-pack bets anytime, just use the app's follow feature and follow Sunday Six Pack. We log our picks there every Friday during the NFL season. Uh, And third, Spotify now lets you rate podcasts. So if you listen to this show on Spotify or you use Spotify at all, uh, please give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. And we do greatly appreciate it. And of course, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Let's give you what you want. Let's get into the Week 18 Sunday Six Pack presented by our friends at Athletic Brewing Company. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. All right, Stuck, with your near sweep, uh, you still overtook me, so you're up 51-49. Again, we switched the scoring up toward the end of the year, so each pick uh, of the six pack is worth the point. Total is worth the point. We'll get to that in our next segment. And then the segment after that, we do our favorite teaser. That's also worth a point. So still five points total. Uh, a bonus if you get the sweep. 51-49. Uh, you're up. I'm up first in week 18. And I am going with the San Francisco 49ers plus four and a half at BetMGM against the Los Angeles Rams. And this is Niners Rams week. It's just kind of been a staple if you're better these last couple of years. When the Niners play the Rams, you got to take them. I mean, Shanahan versus McVay all time, six and three against the spread, covering by an average of 4.8 points 
per game. San Francisco has won each of the last five meetings straight up uh, against the Rams. The first meeting this year, it was in San Francisco, obviously not a big travel concern between these two interstate rivals, but San Francisco won at 31-10. They outgained LA 335 to 278, uh, a 57-yard differential. They scored on four of eight drives, excluding kneel downs, while the Rams scored on just two of 10 drives. And San Francisco won despite nine penalties to the Rams five and despite Cooper Cup going 11 for 122. And by the way, Cooper Cup, you want a bonus bet? Cooper Cup needs, I believe it's 136 yards to break the record. Yeah, Cooper Cup over whatever his receiving yardage line is this week. But I think it's going to be key here that the Niners can kind of devise these game plans to, to slow down the Rams and, and Stafford because we know Cup is going to get his. I saw that. Uh, Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore got placed on the COVID list today. So the Niners, I, I think you're going to get penalties out of them, uh, but I expect it to be a well-schemed game. I expect both teams to play hard uh, and I expect it to be a close one. And also I've kind of been noticing Matthew Stafford defenses are starting to catch on to him a little bit in, in this Rams offense. The first eight games Stafford had a 69% completion rate, 9.1 yards per attempt, uh, a passer rating of 118. A, touchdown interception ratio of 22 to four and then his last eight games so the second half it's can kind of divide the season into two here now we got that 17th game so he's played 16 his last eight completion percentage drops from 69 to 66 yards per attempt drops from 9.1 to 7.3 the rating drops from 118 to 90 a 28 point drop 16 touchdowns and 11 picks compared to that 22 to four ratio and, and one of the things that's been happening and I, I kind of wonder if it's uh, that absence of Robert Woods a little stuck because I know Odell Beckham talent wise might be even more talented than Woods, but I've noticed that over those first day games, Stafford's time to throw was 2.5 seconds, just over 2.5 seconds. His last day, it's up to nearly 2.8 seconds. Uh, that's a big difference when you're talking about, you know, milliseconds, guys getting to the quarterback, you know, messing up the throw uh, receivers, you know, being able to, 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 to get up op- are not getting open as fast. So I, I don't know if it's all on Stafford. I don't know if it's the, you know, kind of the mind melody, how it woods, you know, kind of taking some pressure off cup or what Beckham has been productive, but it just hasn't quite been the same offense uh, for the Rams. I think San Francisco can hang in this game uh, with their offense. I expect there to still be some sloppiness on defense. You know, that's why I like this number here. I think the Ram most likely outcomes probably still Rams winning by a field goal. I think the Niners have a good chance of winning this game outright, but um, love getting this at four and a half, anything above three, I think um, is a plus EV play here. So like the 49ers plus four and a half in LA. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. I think this line is way too high. I came out at six. I got some six when it opened and I was shocked. I was so Just- jealous. Cause like, I, I like, by the time I looked, it was already like, four or four and a half i think i got a four and a half but yeah that, i was jealous of that six <laughs> yeah i was just like wait, wait is this really six because one thing you have to keep in mind this is a road game for san francisco and we talked about this a couple weeks ago but it's gonna feel like a home game for san fran um there's going to be more 49ers fans there we've talked about this game before i remember when sal was a defensive coordinator and it i kept thinking the game was in san francisco when they dominated the rams I was like, what? Wait, I keep forgetting because the whole crowd was red. And San Francisco needs to win to get in. You know, there's obviously a lot more 49ers fans out there. I expect maybe 80% of this crowd to be 49ers fans. And by the way, 49ers need to win 
to get in, or they need the Saints to lose. Um, those are their their two paths. If they lose and the Saints win, the, the 49ers are shockingly out of the playoffs. Jimmy G might go. Lance, I thought, looked a lot more comfortable in the second half, which I think is a good thing. Leading up to this week, like he got a full game under his belt last week. I think that'll really help. Just a good matchup for the 49ers as well. This is, you know, these this is the team that, the you know, teams like the Rams and the Packers, they don't want to see. These, you know, run first offenses, like the how like Ramsey's importance becomes it's just not as important. And when they, you know, when they, if you're facing like a Bucks team, right? So I love the matchup here. Some of the guys in the secondary and the COVID issues for <laughs> San Francisco are Gary. a bit concerning, but a lot of them were Tuesday. Right. So with the new rules, you could play Sunday. And this is for the playoffs. So I would assume that a lot of them get cleared. Um, and, you know, it's at this point, if you go on Tuesday, you just need your doctors cleared and then not showing symptoms. So you got to be really feeling sick, I feel like, to not play in this game. So I think that's a good thing here. Taking the dog in this division, especially over a field goal, never a bad idea. I think they're 70% against the spread this year. I make this under a field goal, so I completely agree here. I think San Francisco has a really good shot to win this game. And Stafford's just not right. I think that, it, yeah, it might be the loss of Woods. Um, by the way, St- Stafford against winning teams. It didn't, didn't happen <laughs> again last week, too. Uh, it's just he just fails to cover. But since week nine – an EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite among 39 quarterbacks with at least a hundred plays Stafford ranks 23rd in EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite, you know, ranks 24th, basically just right behind him, Jared Goff. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Stafford has not been good. He's been a turnover machine. I'm, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but it, it's not great. You have the Rams coming back across country after an East Coast game, and you have to prepare for basically two quarterbacks, right? Like, so I think that helps the 49ers as well. Like, are they going to play both? They might, but you got to prepare. Okay, is Jimmy G was limited today. You got to prepare for some Lance packages, which will look a little different. So I think that works in the 49ers' favors as well. And this is just the circle of life in the NFC West. The 49ers just beat the Rams. Um, so I completely agree here. One question hey. before I go to go yeah, what's up? What's up? No, no. Uh, you first. I was going to say a lot of these, you have a lot of these uh, in the prop market. Cause I'm not, I'm not a prop player unless it's, yeah. you know, the Super Bowl. these, so you have a couple things, records and incentives. Does the market generally price them in? Is there value there? Does it get overpriced? Do you have any insight there? First of all, it's, it's not easy to get, get catch wind of all the incentives um you kind of have to do you know even somebody like me who's a little more dialed in it's still you still have to do a lot of research and go to different places to kind of find uh, these incentives but generally i mean the market's not spending a ton of time pricing props so it's still not as sharp as it could be now what will happen is in situations where you know people like us are aware we will bet them up and the mark so the market will adjust but it's not like if I would be surprised if the market still doesn't come out with cup at, at 135 and a half. I, I think it would still come out below that. Cause that's just a, a monster number, right? You know? Like yeah. that, so I think what will happen is it'll come out still a little high than, than usual, higher than usual, but they'll still rely on kind of people to bet it up and, and kind of adjust. And remember, they're not posting a lot of these props until later in the week anyway. This is where it really makes sense to kind of shop around at different books and have different accounts because then you can start to get a lot more down. 
Yeah, I, because the limits aren't as high, the market isn't as efficient. I always tell people if you're like starting out to build a bankroll, you know, follow you, Kerner, like on props, because that's, you know, that's how you can build your bankroll early. And, you know, eventually you might get limited to betting. But when you're first starting out, man, get get yeah. those props out there. And we have such good prop content. I could go. I'm in L.A. I could go to this game and just fuck with Stafford in this game. But uh, to your point, he is I, I just looked it up in our actual abs data. Thirty two, fifty two and two against the spread uh, against teams with winning records coming into the game, the 38% failing to cover by nearly four points per contest. So uh, you would have a 21 and a half percent ROI if you bet against Stafford anytime he was playing a winning team, any time of the year, it could be week two against a one and O team. It could be week 17 against the winning team. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's been a struggle. So yeah, that's uh, that's just a kind of bonus that you're getting here when you're taking the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. Without Woods, one of the things I look for with the, when playing the Rams, one of the reasons I liked the Ravens last week was the Ravens run defense has been really good. And the Rams, you know, you think of them, it's like Stafford and these receivers, but their receiving core isn't like elite and everything is built off of the run in McVay's offense. So if you don't have to dedicate too many resources to the run and you can stop it, then you're putting them in passing situations and, they're a lot easier to defend. And the 49ers run defense has been really strong. They might get some reinforcements on that front as well this week. So yeah, I agree here. I make this under a field goal and uh, I love the matchup. All right. For my first pick in the second overall of the week 18 weekend six pack, I'm going, let's get ugly. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus 15 and a half at BetMGM. Now, if you know me and you've listened to this podcast in the past couple of years, you know, in the final week of the season, I'm almost always betting a couple teams that are eliminated that are playing teams that need to win. And you have that here. The Colts need to win to get in. Now, if they lose, they can still get in, but it gets really iffy. So this is a must-win game for them. By the way, they haven't won in Jacksonville in like seven years, I think. Yep. Uh, and this, the, the Colts, are in, I played the Jags last year, Sunday six-pack, plus 15. At home against the Colts, who needed a win. Mike Glennon started for the Jags. And uh, the Jags covered. They lost by 14. But they were down <laughs> six. They were down six with the ball late. I remember. Um, four minutes to go. And then they punted. And then the Colts he broke a, a run in the final minutes and then went for two and won by 14. But if you look back, you know, so what, what happens in, the, in this week eight, week 18 is it's, you know, there's, there's an inflation and attacks on these must-win teams. And they're just inflated. Like, who wants to back the Jags? You know the Colts have to win, right? And I think that the lines get super inflated sometimes, and I think that's the case here. I don't think this should be two touchdowns, yet alone a couple points over. If you look back historically since 2003 per Action Labs, teams that are eliminated in the final week playing a team that must win. It's not playing for seeding. So they either must win or, you know, if they lost, they would need help. So they're a must-win spot. Those teams that must win are 16-26 and 26 against the spread, 38%. And if you focus solely on favorites of more than a field goal, those have gone 10 and 22 against the spread. That's 31.2%. If you don't love that sample size, you go back to 1980. Final two weeks, teams in this spot must win versus teams playing for nothing, 60% against the spread. Or 40% for the teams that must win, 60% for the teams that are eliminated. This is the NFL. And like the one thing I'm, I will mention is that there's 
there's this added complexity of like the tank now. And I, I we'll get to that on certain teams like the Eagles last year. I think the Browns might be tanking. We'll talk about that. I don't see it with the Jags. It's like an interim coach. You have your quarterback. You're either getting the first or second pick. You're already finishing in last place. You can ruin the cold season. So don't think this is a tank spot. It's still the NFL. These guys are playing for contracts. The coaches are playing for positions like Daryl Barber wants to be the head coach of the Jags. Everyone's still going to try. And then what happens is it's the last game. It's your Super Bowl, right? Oh, wait, we now we have something to play for. You know, you finally can be like, all right, after your disappointing season, we can ruin the cold season and kind of make something of this. You also can come out and play a lot looser, whereas the team that needs to win is, oh, they're a little – a lot of times they're tight and we can't make a mistake. That works in your favor as well. So I love teams in this spot. You also have the Jaguars coming off of an absolute embarrassing loss against the Patriots. Teams in that spot when they haven't covered by you know that many points or more have been phenomenal against the spread historically. And last week, the Jaguars were just completely decimated on both sides of the ball by COVID. Should have a lot of those guys back. You also have Carson Wentz, who still has some looming turnover regression. And for as bad as Lawrence has been, he's been pretty unlucky in that regard. So don't be surprised if maybe a, a couple deflections go the Jaguars' way. But ultimately, it's just the price. I think the line is too high. You're getting a must-win inflation. I'll take over two touchdowns with the home division dog here. Give me the lowly Jags. Yeah, I'd probably join you with this. Uh, I think the line is only going to go up, too. I don't know if it's even going down, so – uh, I'm holding out, but I, I, every time the Colts play the Jags, I kind of circle it too, because it just always seems to be problematic. And just like another team we'll talk about in a second in a division matchup in the same division, but look at that last game. Like forget, forget all the, the things at stake or not at stake. And just look at the last time uh, these two teams played the last time these two teams played Indy was at home, won the game 23 to 17. So it was a, it was a struggle. You look at the, underlying stats the Jaguars outgained Indy 331 to 295 they just happened to turn the ball over that you know once Indy didn't turn it over uh and the Jaguars actually did better on third down than the Colts 5 of 15 the Colts were 4 of 15 so I mean it's not like the Colts exact and this is with Urban Meyer as the head coach of the Jags it's not exactly like the you know the Colts have this like just great matchup here where they just are going to run away with it. I think it's a tough matchup for them uh, either way. I think the Jags, you know, they've shown they can hang in there against some of these tougher teams, you know, the Patriots, Belichick, you knew that wasn't going to go well Um, that you could kind of, the writing was all over the wall for that. I don't think Belichick's ever lost to a rookie quarterback in Foxborough. So, so yeah, I completely agree with this one as well. Uh, Probably will be joining you, but I mean, do you think this gets to like 17 or something like that? 16 and a half. I don't think it'll ever get to a flat 17, but it's in a dead range right now. So if you're out there, you might as well wait for my second pick and the third overall of the week 18 weekend six pack. I'm going with the Houston Texans plus 10 and a half against the Tennessee Titans. This is a game. I think that kind of fits into that same you know, motivated versus unmotivated. It's not quite, you know, the Titans don't need to win or to be eliminated or anything like that. But um, clearly, obviously, have more motivation here than the Houston Texans. But remember last time these two teams met, the Titans, granted, they were banged up as as they've been all year. But Tennessee was favored by 10 at home. They closed as 10-point favorites. They lost the game by nine. 
This is at home to the Texans. Now they're favored by 10 on the road. Like, I, I don't get how we swing that many points. I know AJ and I mean, Julio being healthy. I don't know if that changes anything. Cause the guy, even when he's healthy, he plays like half the game. Uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, that's not a big deal. AJ Brown's going to get his, like we're not going to sugarcoat that, but this still a Titans offense without Derrick Henry still a Titans offense. is going to struggle to move the ball. Uh, I think they're going to struggle in the red zone against this Houston uh, zone defense. They've been getting lucky. They have 11 wins on a year, but their point differential suggests they're more of a nine and a half win team. So they're about a win and a half over uh, expectation in terms of overachieving. And again, it, this was a, you know, this is a tough matchup for Tennessee. Uh, I just, you know, Last game of the season, Tennessee here, you got to not play sloppy. And they did that last week. They played a sharp game against Miami. But we just saw a ton of turnovers last time these two teams played. Um, I just think that Houston is going to kind of – it's always been a struggle when these two teams play. I mean, so you had Houston beating them 22-13 as 10-point dogs. Then last season, you had a Titans – favored by seven last game of the season against a similarly horrible Houston team. Must win. Uh, I was on the Texans there. Must win. Must win. Came back and cooked the field goal to win at the the bell. Yeah, they could have lost. Titans could have easily lost the game. 41-38. Sam Sloman, I think, was their kicker that game. Yeah. I mean, it was just a struggle. Game before that, earlier in the year, you might have also been on the the Texans, but – the I lost Titan, that. I had plus plus four. Plus four in overtime. Crazy game in overtime. They lost by six. Yeah, like this, this is has been happening for two years. This overtime. This overtime. It's, yeah, it's just this is just kind of. I mean, yeah, but no, this matchup has also been happening for years. Where it's just even as bad as the Texans are, they're usually kind of that one of the worst teams in the division over these last couple of matchups. Titans just struggle to put them away. So well, that's their mo though. They just play up and down to teams. Like yeah. they play down to their competition. You know, this is a team that went, you know, to the Jets and lost. And then you know, you you go out to the Rams and I mean, you go look at all their results. They yeah. just kind of play close games against everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So you you were on them against Miami last week. That was a great call. Um, but that's the whole point. You know, I think that game. Now they feeling good about themselves. This is it's just ripe for a Titans letdown. And then for these situations late in the year, you have a Houston team that was held to only seven last week against the Niners. Late in the year, you have an underdog that scored in the single digits in their last game facing a favorite. Uh, as long as that favorite isn't completely terrible and they have a winning percentage of 35 or better, the underdog in this spot is 219, 135, and 862%, 20% ROI since 2003 according to our action labs data houston fits the trend here uh too many points at home i think it's going to be another one of these tough games for tennessee to to close out yeah i completely agree uh i'm on this as well plus 10 and a half would have been one of my picks if you didn't take it davis mills is playing better in the second half of the year as well um i like some of the things that i've seen with him he also appears more comfortable at home and this team is still playing hard and this is now can be kind of their, their Super Bowl, right? And this is a team that beat that blew out the Chargers with a, with a COVID decimated roster at home a couple weeks ago. And Titans play up and down. Everyone go look at Vrabel's record as an underdog. He's great. He's not so great as a favorite. That speaks to what this Titans team does. So yeah, home divisional dog catching double digits here. I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans have a shot to win this game. And uh the AFC one seed is up for grabs in the fourth quarter. 
should be interesting. So I completely agree there. All right, for my second pick in the fourth overall of the week 18 weekend six pack, I am going with the Atlanta Falcons plus four and a half at BetMGM against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans needs to win and have San Francisco lose to get in. I'm just not buying this line. Again, this fits the mold. This is the other game. I think that the Titans are, you know, they're not exactly in that mold. Similar to the Bills last year, by the way. The Bills could have been playing for seeding. It speaks to this, the wackiness of this final week. They decided to rest a bunch of starters playing the Dolphins who needed to win to get in. I remember that. So this doesn't even clarify my numbers because the Bills could have improved their seating, but they just didn't care. But the Bills won 56 to 26 anyway. Um, like Isaiah McKenzie was their – they were throwing Isaiah McKenzie. They sat all their secondary guys, and they still won 56 to 26. Um, so, yeah, I think this number is too high. Early in the season, the Saints were minus six, minus six and a half at home. And they lost outright to the Falcons. And now you're getting four and a half in Atlanta. And by the way, after another a big home week against the spread last year, running some things and it looked, home field advantages are right around, you know, people were like, oh, it's worth it's zero at zero for this year. You get small sample size for one season, but it's around one and a half points, a little higher for, you know, a team like New Orleans. But now you're getting four and a half. And that's a big number for the Saints to cover. I, I make this under a field goal, by the way, which is why I played it. That's a big number to cover. And a total, it's 40 with a New Orleans offense that is just horrendous. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, let's let's take a look. The They're 31st in success rate on offense since week eight. Their rush offense for the year is 28th in EPA per play and success rate. You can't throw it, right? So you don't have to – you can just kind of load the box and you don't have to prospect who they're throwing it to on the outside. I also think – I like this matchup for the Falcons because now it is – you want to keep an eye on Kyle Pitts, which would be a big loss because they're already missing Calvin Ridley. He didn't practice today with a hamstring injury. It didn't look I good actually. To... I saw him. I saw him pull it live, uh, and they did. So here's here's something like I'm. Uh, if you if you just want some intel, they they signed Parker Hesse, who's their force tight end, to the active roster for this week. So that's also a bad sign. So just yeah, uh, I saw that on the transaction wire. So hopefully, I do think it. that if he has a chance to go, he will because he needs 58 yards to break the yeah. all time rookie. Mike Dicka holds the record for all-time receiving yards by a tight end of the rookie season. But prop alert. regardless, prop alert. <laughs> yeah, prop alert if he plays. But regardless, this is a, a Saints offense that is just dreadful. And and if you go by some metrics, like their point differential, they've been the luckiest team in the NFL. The Falcons, what they've done this year is they really can beat and or compete with teams that are you know similar to them. And they just get blown out by these superior teams. That's not New Orleans right now with Taysom Hill, in my opinion. And Taysom Hill... For what it's worth, it's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's let's take a look. Uh, since week eight, here's a list of quarterbacks that rank lower than Taysom Hill in EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite. There's 36 quarterbacks with at least 150 plays since week eight. There's only three that have been worse than Taysom Hill. Cam Newton, Mike Glennon, and Zach Wilson. That's it. And, and the Saints have beat two of those three. In yep. the last two, in the last couple of weeks, yeah. Um, well, I mean, te- so, technically not Cam Newton because it was it was scammed Arnold, but yeah, yeah, and he's not much higher anyway. Um, so I'll take the you know both teams should get some key pieces back from you know COVID and injury. 
And I, I just think that this line is too high. Falcons can play the role of spoiler. All the pressures on the Saints' dreadful offense. And Matt Ryan has actually had some success against this Saints defense, particularly since Dennis Allen has arrived. Since 2015, when Allen got there as defensive coordinator, Ryan has 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, you know, 3,800 passing yards in 13 games. That comes out to a per-game average of two touchdowns, 0.8 picks, 300 yards passing. That's pretty much right around where he is on a per-game basis on all other games. That's a, The Saints' defense is better than an average defense over that stretch. So, you know, one of the things that I like about this matchup is one of the best, the strongest parts of the Saints team is their run defense. It's elite. Like, you can't really run on them at all. So when they can take that away from a team that relies on that for play action or, or just, you know, getting yards on the ground, that's an advantage. That doesn't matter against the Falcons. The Falcons are the worst rushing team in the NFL. They, they can't get anything on the ground. They take away their run game on their own. Taking away the Falcons' run game does nothing for them. So ultimately, I just think this is too many points for this Saints offense on the road. I think that this should be under a field goal. So uh, I will gladly take the four and a half points at home with the Falcons. And again, I think they'll have a really good shot to win straight up. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't get this line. I mean, this is one of those inflated because the Saints are need to win the game. Like this is yep. that's all it can be, because just look at the Saints and what they've been doing over these last few weeks they first they went on a five game losing streak you know when and, and yeah take some pill missed some games and they were starting Simeon and and whatnot but then they beat the Jets 30 to 9 okay like that's whatever beat the Bucks 9 nothing you scored nine points like you scored nine points in that game the Bucks everyone got hurt for the Bucks so you won a game scoring nine points and you scored three against the Dolphins then you beat the Panthers 18 to 10 so you won a game scoring 18 points like the Falcons, they play poorly, like you said, against these elite teams. You know, they're not going to score. But against these, like, mediocre teams, they can get to 18, 19, 20 points. That's probably going to be enough to beat the Saints team. So, especially at home, it's a playoff game for them, you know. Yeah, we were both on them at plus six early in the year, and they just looked dreadful. What they, they were do? up 21 nothing in that yeah. game through three quarters. I had to hold on to win. But, yeah, I think this line's way too high. All right, for my third – Pick in the fifth overall of the week 18 weekend six pack. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus five and a half in Baltimore. Ah, I'm going to do this one more time with the Steelers. It's going to be, it's not going to be. They to make the playoffs. He might be doing it again as a dog next week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh man. Yeah. I, listen, man, I don't, and I'm, you know, always curious to hear your thoughts on the Ravens. This is not about Pittsburgh as much as it's about the Ravens that, you know, I just don't know where they're at now they've lost five in a row a lot of close games but remember these teams play those five by a combined five points yeah so it's not i'm not saying they they, they had that they had that close game regression coming that's why i was fading i mean early in the year they were winning all these close games and it caught up to them because they they weren't as good as people thought early in the year when i was like dude this team is not that good because of all their injuries they're eight and three yes but and now here they are at eight and eight this is about baltimore to me is can can they win this game and give themselves a chance i know that what they have like a 2% chance to go to playoffs. So I, or I guess a little higher if they win. We like, need the Jags. <clears throat> need the Jags to win. We need the Dolphins to lose. Yeah. Then we need the Chargers to lose. The problem is if all of those things happen, I'm pretty sure the Raiders clinch 
So they won't be playing for any like it's 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 bad. Can Baltimore still win this game? Absolutely. But now you're talking about winning it by six or more. I think they can win close games because they're going to play in a lot of close games. Every time they play, it's a close game. They're like the Chargers from last year. Yeah, yeah, it was the Chargers, right? Yeah, like it's like every game's a close game these days. Are they going to win by six? Just because they're at home, I, I don't think I don't know. I don't know if they win a game. I don't know if they win it by six. Last time these two teams played, granted. It was in Pittsburgh, but the total yardage was pretty even. Baltimore, 326. Pittsburgh, 321. However, Pittsburgh, 5.6 yards per play. Baltimore, 4.7 yards per play. And I was with Lamar Jackson. So now Lamar didn't practice uh, Wednesday as we record this. You thought he would might suit up last week. He didn't. You know, you would think for this kind of game he would. But I don't know if that's even a positive. I mean, it's clear, you know, Huntley had some regression coming. He wasn't going to keep putting up, you know, like, four total touchdowns and things like that. Lamar hadn't even done, but uh, I just think the Ravens are in a tough spot here, regardless of, of who plays quarterback. I think you're still going to get a game out of the Steelers D it's going to be ugly on offense, but it's been ugly on offense all year for the Steelers team. Uh, and they've continued to, to kind of exceed expectations just slightly. So Pittsburgh in these spots this year, they're six and four as an underdog they're not the same as they used to be. We saw that in this, I mean, that game against Cleveland, that was a tough watch. I think the two teams combined for like under four yards of pass attempt, but that speaks to what the Steelers defense can do. They can just hang in the game. They played a real strong game against the, the Ravens last time. You know, even with the Ravens getting a lead early, it just, they just couldn't get nothing going down the stretch. Um, everything was just a little more difficult than, than it seemed like it was early in the year. You Going down to that two point conversion at the end of the game. So, um, and then, uh, you know, I know a stat that you've talked about, a stat that our guy Brandon Anderson, um, uh, I believe, uh, posted in the app as well. Since 05, when either of these teams in this rivalry is favored by more than a field goal, the underdog is 17 and two against the spread. You know, that kind of defines this matchup. You got Mike Tomlin as a dog from week three on 40, 18 and two, 69% uh, against the spread. The standard is the standard. That's our motto, that's our creed, that's our approach. Time and time again. I just think it's going to be an ugly game, hard-fought game. Both of these teams have an incentive to win regardless of, you know, whatever else is going on. Um, they know the first, the only thing they really have to do is win and, and then just pray. So uh, I think you get the best effort from both teams, and I'm just not convinced that Baltimore is in a spot where now they're, they're you know, winning games by a touchdown or more again. So uh, give me Pittsburgh plus five and a half in Baltimore. Yeah, I don't mind taking the points here. And – but since Harbaugh got there, when these two teams met since 2008, favorites of more than a field goal in this rivalry are 1-14-2 against it's the nuts. spread. Crazy. All these games end up coming down to a field goal. Hard fought. They know each other well. Yeah, and I just double-checked. That is the Ravens' path. If they get all that to happen, if they win and New England wins and Jacksonville wins, the Raiders will clinch and then the Ravens will need the Raiders to win. But the Raiders will probably sit everybody. It's not – looking great this should be a battle i don't mind taking the points here I, you know what the steelers could have really used though a win against the lions <laughs> yeah it's like what a what a crazy year but uh, yeah who are you going for your third all right for my third pick and the final pick of the week 18 nfl weekend six pack i'm going with los angeles chargers minus three at bet mgm against the raiders in las vegas this isn't a number that I think has a ton of value, but, you know, it's at three or below. See if you can get below. I actually money line them with Buffalo uh, in a parlay. 
I just love this matchup, and I think that the Raiders are a fraud. Um, I mean, the Raiders are six and two in one possession games this year. They're three and zero in overtime. They got the ref game in Dallas without Lamb. Other than that, since week eight, I, this is a team that can barely get over seventeen points. And you know, you face that Dallas game. They didn't have CD Lamb. You face Nick Mullins and a completely decimated Browns roster. You barely beat them. You face Drew Locke and the Broncos. You barely beat them. You face Carson Wentz just coming off COVID. You face Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, you know, three of their nine, three of their nine wins came against backups. Three of their nine wins came in overtime. I mean, it's just a team that has been getting extremely fortunate. Darren Waller should be back. We'll see how healthy he is. That should help. But this offense is still extremely limited. But I really like the matchup here for a number of reasons. So if you look at and the Raiders' defense has just been on a downward path the run defense is actually playing well not as important though against the Chargers their defense 30th in EPA per dropback since week eight 31st in success rate uh, the run D like I said better but not as relevant against the Chargers also the Chargers primary weakness on defense is their run D Raiders can't really run it the rush offense 30th in EPA in the first meeting they had 18 carries for 48 yards and the Chargers won 28 to 14 Charters averaged 5.1 yards per play. The Raiders averaged 3.8 yards per play. And Herbert absolutely shredded. He started that game 20 of 25 for 175 yards and three touchdowns. I think they went up 21 nothing. Why? Well, he shreds non-cover two zones. Shreds them. Uh, I think he's number one in the NFL in QBR against zone, non-cover two zones. Top three overall in zones. But he struggles a little bit with cover two. But all the Raiders do is run cover three. And guess who's familiar with that cover three? Justin Herbert, Gus Bradley was with the Chargers last year and he showed that, and he just shredded cover three all year long. Teams that don't blitz that are playing cover three are Justin Herbert's just going to rip them up. So um, I think this is a great matchup for Herbert. And I think that this is a good matchup for the Chargers defense. And on top of that, I think this is where Staley's aggressiveness will really come into play love him you know making the optimal call much more than i trust the raiders to do so in this spot and on top of all that you know it's a divisional game home field advantage isn't as much but on top of all that there is a chance like i just mentioned now it's very small it's not 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 impacting my bet or anything but there is a chance that the raiders clinch before this game happens and then this line closes at 10 because car sits and everyone sits and so there is a chance that, that happens, but ultimately I think that the Raiders have just been one of the, maybe the luckiest team in the NFL this year. And this is a great matchup for Herbert and it's a ideal matchup for the Chargers defense. Uh, so I'll, I'll side with Los Angeles here at three or below. You uh, in these situations, cause I get this question from time to time. And we, we, we probably both do. Where would you buy up like a two and a half to minus minus one twenty? It depends on the total a lot of times, but yeah, I mean, the three is king here. So, I mean, I, I money line them. I money line parlayed them with the bills and I paid minus minus one twenty two money line and the bills. Look, the bills could lose. It's still the NFL, but I felt really strong doing that. But yeah, I would pay with this total. I would, you know, and there people go for two, the charter charters kick. The situation is worse than the yeah. Raiders. So it's not as important. So I would go uh, maybe up to, I would go up to minus 120 here. In some cases, you know, if it's a lower total, you know, two good kickers, weather, you know, I might 
go up to minus 125, minus 130. There's actually a chance that this, maybe a, a greater chance than normal with the way that these two teams play, that this doesn't end on a three, right? Like the Chargers are going to like go for it on a lot of fourth yeah. downs. And if the Raiders win, the Raiders have a better chance of winning by three. Anyway, the Raiders have a really good kicker um, and they're more inclined to kick. So Chargers by three on the spectrum of outcomes is probably less likelier than a normal favorite with this total in this spot, given the profile of the Chargers. So uh, I'll side with the minus three here. Um, but yeah, I would buy at the minus 120 or throw them in a money line parlay as I did with the Bills. I mean, honestly, I don't just mind them on the money line, period. You know, it's not, yeah, you're not paying it. Yeah, you're not paying a ton, but I, I agree. I I actually make this line right around, you know, two and a half, three without adjusting for the matchup advantage. But I, I really like the charges in the spot. I think this is kind of a put up or shut up for, for Staley. You know, uh, we're going to be aggressive all year long, this and that. But they've lost some games that they shouldn't have lost. And it's been ugly. And they're they are here on this last game of the season, still needing to clinch the Raiders. Every year we see it, they tend to fall apart, you know, wait in a year. They tend to wilt now. Uh, I like that winning. Well, they were about to before great. they got the, play, you know, they got to play yeah. all the backups, and then yeah, an impressive effort against the Colts. Got to yeah, like like their effort against the Colts. So you know, not not knocking them for that. Uh, I respect for doing that. But you mentioned, I think something was interesting that you mentioned was that you know the Raiders' run defense has been kind of going south, but you don't really worry about no, their pass the defense. Their pass defense. Oh, their, oh yeah, their run defense. Their run defense has been good. Yeah, because um, it's interesting because the Chargers. 34 for 168 in a touch. They ran really well against the Raiders in that first matchup. So, I mean, it's not a gimme that they'll be able to stop the charge. I mean, Austin Eckler had like a career day. He had a 15 carry, 117. Uh, I distinctly remember Roundtree breaking a couple of tackles, you know, running yeah. hard. Like, it wasn't – it was just the Chargers out physical the Raiders in that first game. You know, so, you know, take that for what it is. But, yeah, I think I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, I'm Chargers. saying even if the Raiders yeah. deep run defense, like, plays well, it's – that that's not going to make or break this game, but yeah, they, I, I could see the Chargers having success on the ground for sure. That is going to wrap it for our week 18 weekend six pack to recap stuck is going with the Jags plus 15 and a half, the Falcons plus four and a half and the chargers minus three. I'm going with the Niners plus four and a half, the Texans plus 10 and a half and the Steelers plus five and a half. And that is going to conclude our Week 18 weekend six-pack presented by The Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews let you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. Cheers. All right, let's get into our week 18 coach's pep talk. You keep playing the way you're playing. We're going to get our ass beat again tonight. This week's coach's pep talk comes to us from the 1955 film Marty. Uh, and let's dedicate it to the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, Rich Versace, Brandon Staley, both of these guys, I think a lot to prove on this last day of the season. Uh, a win here uh, would go a long way for 
uh, each of those franchises. So I was dedicated to Basaccia and Staley. Well, sooner or later, there comes a point in a man's life when he's got to face some facts. I'm going to stay home tonight. I got hurt enough. I don't want to get hurt no more. I got feelings, you know. I had enough pain. I don't want you hanging around the house tonight. What do you want from me? I'm miserable enough as it is. All right, so I'll go. And you know what I'm going to get for my trouble? Heartache. A big night of heartache. All right. Time for our favorite total of the week. Stuck. It's early January. Got some weather going on. Got some resting going on. A lot of uncertainty here. Uh, early in the week, but uh, what total stands out to you uh, that you're going with for week 18? Yeah, let's go super low. Let's go Cleveland, Cincinnati, under 38 at BetMGM. I played some, if you saw on the app, I played some under 41 and a half early this morning, thinking that Burrow probably wouldn't go if the Chiefs win, and he might just sit anyway, and then that ended up being announced, then it came down, and then you know, Mixon goes on the COVID list. I like this down. I make this adjusted for the weather, which is going to be insane. Uh, there's going to be 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with 40 mile an hour wind gusts. As of now, it could change, but it's going to be extremely windy. And these Cleveland games, when they're extremely windy, they all end the same way. I mean, I, this, we just talk about the Raiders. The Raiders, Browns had a crazy one last year. The Raiders went 16 to 6. Josh Jacobs ran it 32 times. Like, that's like a 90s game. Um, and uh, you just can't throw it. And there are so many paths in this game. I think the Browns are actively tanking but based on that game on Monday. Like they, they weren't playing Chubb. They weren't trying to run the ball at the end of the game. They sneak it on third and one, like when the clock's running down then they call timeout instead of spiking it, just their play calling their body language, who they sat. I think they're actively tanking, which is smart because you get a better draft pick. They can improve five more spots with the loss here, depending on how other things happen. But more importantly, them or the Ravens are going to finish in last place in the AFC North. And whoever finishes in last place in the AFC North, huge advantage next year. I mean, you're talking the difference between, you know, you get to play the Jags. You get to play the Giants instead of Washington, right? So the the, the divisions that the, that the AFC North plays, it's a big difference between playing the third and the fourth team. Obviously, it's hard to project, but draft positioning too. I, I think the Browns are actually tanking. Baker Mayfield's not playing. I, the only the only guys I, I think are confident that are playing are like Garrett Clowney has like all kinds of sack incentives, so I think he'll play. But there's you're just talking about backup quarterbacks. Burrow is not playing. I doubt some of his receivers play. It's just gonna be a backup quarterback handing it off. The Bengals just want to get the hell out of here healthy. They're both slow teams in general already. Bottom ten in neutral situation pace, and I don't think the Browns care. The Bengals' defense might play. They got embarrassed the first time they played the Browns. Maybe that's like the unit that's motivated. I don't. I doubt Chubb plays much. This game in twenty to thirty mile an hour winds. It's an NFL game. Anything can happen. I wouldn't be shocked if this game is like three three in the second in the fourth quarter. What do you think of uh, the Bengals plus six in this guy? I completely agree with the total, by the way. But Bengals plus six. You mentioned that the Browns might be tanking. Uh, is that something you'd be interested in? Or I don't know who's all going to sit for Cincy is the problem. Yeah, I mean, I would lean that way, especially like with a total that I make like 34. Six points is very valuable in a game like this. I just would rather not get involved with the side. But yeah, if it, if it got the seven, I think you have to take. And I could go, I mean, the stats, when the winds are over 20 miles an hour, historically unders have been extremely good. And that's against the close. And these things always plummet. I think this thing is only going to go further south in the market. I think this should be a punt fest. Uh, for my total, I'm going with uh, probably the second most windy game on the slate. Bills, Jets under 41 and a half. You know, expecting 15 to 20 mile an hour winds here, possible rain. 
tough for the offenses. You know, remember this Bills offense, granted, they were playing a Belichick defense, but remember in the wind, you know, Josh Howe, it just it just wasn't there. Uh his in terms of adjusted completion rate, which is pretty much, you know, how many balls are you placing on target when you take out drops and whatnot? Allen's 21st in the league and, and Wilson's 35th. So uh, you add a little wind, a little inclement weather. Uh, I just don't know how functional the passing games are here. The Bills have really liked what they've gotten out of Singletary lately. I think they keep it on the ground. You know, they, this is going to be a game where they kind of just want to get out of here. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite similar to the Miami game where, you know, they what did they have a chance to eliminate Miami with a win last year. So this one, you know, it, they already beat the Jets. The Jets aren't playing for anything. Uh, late season divisional unders when the totals uh, above 39 hit a 58% clip since 2003, according to our action labs data. So yeah, just taking a gamble here on the, uh, on the weather, kind of slowing down this explosive bills offense. Sorry, good. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't mind that under at all. I mean, and plus you have to, you have to look at the, the, the I was going to look at the jets here. It's a lot of points, a lot of points at a total really low with bad weather, but the bills, they just love to blow out. They, they keep, they, you know, they pass a lot. They keep their foot on the gas. They like find ways a lot of times to cover these bigger numbers. And then the Jets, I mean, you look, it's like Michael Carter's banged up. Crowder and Barrios didn't practice. Crowder was Moore limited. Probably, Barrios didn't yeah, practice. Moore's probably still out. I mean, I don't know. He could uh, come back. Yeah, Moore's still out. Then the left tackle situation is Beckton is on IR. Fant, his backup's now on IR. Adoga, their backup, is now out. You're talking about a practice squad guy starting at left tackle. They got injuries all over their offensive line. Um, So uh, they could easily get shut out here. Um, So I I don't mind the under at all, especially when you add in the weather factor. So for our totals, Stuck is going with Cleveland Cincy under 38. I'm going Jets Buffalo under 41 and a half. That's going to wrap it for our favorite totals of the week. Now let's get into our favorite teaser. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. For those unfamiliar with teasers, it's when you parlay two or more bets, you get an additional six points toward the spread of each bet. So the standard is usually a six point teaser with two teams. That's what we do here on the pod. Stucky has a lot of excellent content out. Uh, you could search uh, on Google for Stucky teasers. You can look it up on actionnetwork.com, but essentially there are uh, a, a bunch of different key numbers, you know, the three, the four, the six, uh, the seven that you want to tease through, um, you know, usually looking for uh, numbers in that range. So that's kind of the theme here, Stuck. Where are you going with your teaser for week 18? Uh, first, we're going to tease Dallas down to one with New England down to minus a half. I think that New England, you know, it's it's a little inflated of a number here, but I like the matchup. This Dolphins offense is just a mess. They're a complete fraud. The winning streak was a fraud. The Patriots should win this game. They should be able to run. Miami, they should be able to get a ton of pressure. Miami can't run the ball. I Two is lost, and uh, this is just uh, again. I think the Patriots win, and then the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are cheap right now, considering that they're apparently going to play all of their starters. Mike McCarthy has come out and said he's playing to win, and I believe him because he still gets roasted for 2011 within Green Bay. He didn't play his starters the last week, and 
Packers fans are still mad that that happened and they had a bye. And then Eli came in and beat the 15 to one Packers. So he said he's going to play all the starters and play to win. The Eagles, apparently, word on the street. I don't know if how public says where they're going to, are going to sit everybody. Um, and they have COVID. I mean, they have 12 players on the COVID that are either starters or major contributors that are on the COVID list. So, uh, you know, they can go from like the seventh seed to the sixth seed if the Saints get in, but they, they got nothing really to play for. The Cowboys can improve their seeding, but they're like 90% to be on the four seed, but they want to play. They, they lost last week. I think they want to get their offense going. And I just don't think that the Eagles are going to play anyone. There's going to be Eagles backups versus the Cowboys starters for the most part. Michael Parsons did go on the COVID list, which is something worth noting. I mean, he's been spectacular. I also think the Eagles are pretty overrated. I mean, here's the, here's the quarterbacks that they've beat this year. Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson, Garrett Gilbert, Mike Lennon, Taylor Heineke, and Matt Ryan. And who they lost to? Jimmy G, Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Brady, Carr, Herbert, Daniel Jones. One of those doesn't belong in that group. But um, so, yeah, they beat up on a bunch of bad quarterbacks. Um, so, uh, you know, Dak has been off uh, for what it's worth. And, but it's just, this is starters versus backups. Um, so I'll tease the, the Cowboys down. Yeah, I like that one as well. I'm going with the Patriots here uh, as well, six and a half to a half point. A little bit of a revenge game for them. They should have beat Miami in week one. Damian Harris fumbles. But uh, I agree. I think Miami just – they're playing really well on defense. But it's been a lot of, of scheme. Bill Belichick, who does he know better than almost any other head coach in the league? Brian Flores. He used to work for him. So, you know, I don't think they're going to have that same advantage. I think the Patriots will be well-prepared. Here. Now, weird things always happen when the Patriots go to Miami late in the year. So, I mean, but that's why you're teasing it down to a half a point. Uh, I think the Patriots are the better team. Uh, I think they'll be well-prepared for Miami. And I don't know if Miami can get offense, like you mentioned. And then I like Dallas. Might, might do uh, include them in some teasers as well. Um, but for the contest, for the show, uh, I will go Washington from 7-1 to one against the Giants. And what really does it for me, I mean, first of all, we could just look at the Giants. They've scored 49 points, a.k.a. under 10 a game in their last five games. Uh, they haven't been able to move the football. They had 24 yards passing last week, and the quarter that, that quarterback is out, and a quarterback they didn't want to play for that quarterback is now starting. So uh, this Giants offense, I mean, they're just going to run it every play. It seems like Washington's strength is its run defense. Washington, number 10 DVOA against the run, according to Football Outsiders, 28th against the pass. So 18 spots better. A top 10 defense is Washington against the run. So, you know, if that's the Giants game plan, I don't think it's going to work. Then what really does it for me, though, is Joe Judge, you know, trying. I don't know what he was trying to do. What's going on with him? Fire up his guys. I mean, you, I, I have no idea. I his mean, quotes are so bizarre, too, after the game. This is And this is like, it's just kind of been overshadowed by all the other silliness that's been happening. Like, you know, Antonio Brown walling out. And, you know, was Arians trying to make him play hurt? And was Jalen Ramsey smacking his own teammates? And just like everything. But, you know, so Washington has a fight on the sideline. And Joe Judge calls that out and says, you know, first of all, defending his own organization, I, I guess Washington was on his mind because they're going to play him next week, but it's like, yeah, we're not, we're not a, this, a clown show organization that has guys fighting on the sidelines. So you're going to fire up the Washington defense, specifically a defense that has been struggling against the pass. They were mad. They were fighting because they were getting kicked in the ass, you know, by the Cowboys passing game. 
You're going to fire them up. Give them bulletin board material when you pass for 24 fucking yards last week. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> Washington is going to go so hard in this game. It's not going to be funny. Uh, so it's going to be ugly for the Giants. You know, seven is probably still too much to weigh on the road with Washington in this kind of game, divisional game. But tease them down to a point and enjoy Washington coming out just and, and just completely teeing off on uh, on this Giants pass game. I mean, it, it's it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, Glennon's out, and you got Fromm starting. Um, <laughs> like, who's not an NFL caliber quarterback? Uh, but I like I want to take the Giants here because, like, just from it, this is like it's just the bottom of the market, right? Like, I want to buy them as this is as low. But I don't know where their bottom is, right? Like every time I think they're at their bottom with their quarterback situation, it gets worse. Like I, I thought about playing them by almost buying them to seven against the Bears. Like the Bears are laying seven. I didn't. And I was so grateful after I watched the first four plays of the game. Bro. I was like, this is this is bad. Um, so yeah, it's not not good in uh New York. I wonder what kind of crowd they're even going to get for this. And they're game. at home. They're at home. Remember, they they tend to you know cover the spread in these like road games where you have no faith in them. Well, they don't they're even at, do that. They're not even doing that now. I know they're, they're not, not doing even, that anymore. But but like this is this is just the perfect spot. Like I agree. Like normal weeks, if it wasn't week seventeen, if Joe Judge has kept his mouth shut, you know maybe you say okay, this line is just too high. But again, that's why we're teasing it anyway. But yeah, it's I, I can't. I just can't believe Joe Judge would do that. That's just that. That's what kind of separates these guys, you know. From it's like these Belichick disciples from Belichick. Like Belichick's like he has like three rules, and one of them is don't give the other team bullets and board material. Like yeah. why? It just makes no sense. Well, it's uh, gonna be raining, raining and thirty-five degrees. Like how many people are gonna be at this game? Fifty. Yeah, all Washington fans. Because I mean, they can't they can't sit in their own stadium. So it's, it's you know got to go to. You got to go to Meadowlands for a better fan experience. How crazy does that sound? All right. Uh, <laughs> let's go wrap it up for our teasers. Stuck is going Dallas seven to one and New England six and a half to a half point. I'm going Washington seven to one and New England six and a half to a half point. Uh, now it's time for our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, we keep having these near misses, man, uh, week after week, but uh, still doing pretty good in terms of at least hitting one, uh, you know, for the year. So uh, people just kind of following the picks in general should be up regardless, but hopefully you've hit a couple of the parlays. Uh, we got a juicy yeah, one. We're still, up, we're still up overall. Yeah. We're still up overall. For, we got a juicy one this week too. So uh, where are you going? Yeah, it's been a profitable year for him, and it could have been a yeah. – Really special if a couple of bounces went the other way. That's how it works when you're trying to hit these dogs sometimes. Um, this week, I'm going against the Chiefs again. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. And I don't love this. And, like, it's the sec. Like, is Sertain going to play? Kareem Jackson just went on IR. You have Drew Locke who's going to start. But I think the line is just crazy. So there's value in the raw number for a home divisional team in altitude. Chiefs playing their second road game on a short week and i know the chiefs we we saw their defense for what it was i talked about how their defense is back like they've all they've been doing is playing bad offenses the run defense is still poor they were just getting lucky on points for opportunity and then they got unlucky they had some regression coming like with penalties and that's how these things work in the nfl so you know can drew drew lock looked a little better last week but i I think that the broncos can 
run the ball all day on the Chiefs. They did it up and down the field when they played Kansas City. And I know the Chiefs are playing for, like, if we win and the Titans lose to the Texans, then we can get the one seed. But, like, there's a chance that they come out a little flat here. Like, it's like, well, we're playing Denver. We know we're probably not going to get the one seed. Um, but ultimately, like, the Broncos were ten po- open 10-point underdogs, and I was on them, and they should have covered, but they didn't. In, in Arrowhead in primetime, 10-point underdogs got bet down to eight before a kick. And they had 400 yards of offense and we were moving up and down the field and just kept turning it over on downs inside the 10 and then had some turnovers and then couldn't score late. But they moved the, the ball all day. The line closed eight. Now you're short week, second road game in Denver. Um, you have Drew Locke, which you have to count for. There's a drop off between Bridgewater and Drew Locke. But now you're getting 10 and a half over, through a key number and two and a half points more. I, I think this line is too high. Plus There's some, you know, I think Denver's getting Denver should get a lot of guys back from COVID that they're missing last week. One of the reasons why the, that line just skyrocketed. They didn't have a lot of players available. Um, the secondary worries me, especially if Sertain can't go. Um, but I think the line is too high. So there's just value in this number and this span of outcomes and the weirdness of the final week of the regular season. This now becomes Denver's Super Bowl. So let's go. With the Denver Broncos plus 340 at BetMGM playing a team that they have lost 12 straight to. Nobody beats the Denver Broncos 13 times in a row. I mean, I, I really wish it was Bridgewater. It would have been a little, it's a little easier to stomach, but it's, it is one of those last games of the year type weirdness that could happen. I'll parlay that with the Atlanta Falcons plus 165 at BetMGM. We already talked about it. I just think the number is way too high for a Saints team that uh, is pretty much their offense is Alvin Kamara and he's great, but we know running just simply doesn't impact the outcome of games as much uh, as throwing the ball does. And, and I think Atlanta has the edge in that category. Even if Pitt sits, I think Atlanta still has the edge. I mean, you're talking about Taysom Hill versus Matt Ryan here. So I think you get a, the best effort from the Falcons. So I'm going ATL plus 165 payout on this parlay, just uh, about 11 to one here. Uh, so a hundred dollar bet gets you back uh, eleven sixty six, so ten sixty six in profit. Um, really great payout on this on this parlay. Juicy odds for each of the them individually as well. So let's do this. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM, and to celebrate the twenty twenty one NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign up offer for our listeners: a one thousand dollar risk free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. 
Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Uh, let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games we did not discuss in any other segment. Doug, we are going to start in Ford Field. Got the Packers, got the Lions. The spread is plus four for the home dog Detroit. Total is 44 and a half. This is interesting uh, because, you know, Green Bay is a public darling. They usually get a lot of money, definitely a lot of bets. They're still getting the bets. 67% of the bets we've tracked on Green Bay. Uh, for you know, in our action network app, but 84% of the money on the Lions, the Packers are saying they're not going to rest guys the entire game, but from the money, it seems like some, some people, some smart people think they are. Well, this line has gone all over the place. I mean, Detroit at one time was favored, then I think they were favored by like two. Um, and then the Packers came out, LaFleur has come out and he said, Look, all everyone wants to play. and he recently just came out within the last couple of hours and said, we've done studies and it said that it's advantageous for teams to not rest their starters in the final week, especially when they have a bye week. I know Belichick never did, never rested starters. I think he wouldn't rest Brady. He would rest like guys that were like banged up um, in the final week. So he said they've done studies. I think the main team they studied was that 2011 Packers team. Um, and so I, I believe him that they're going to come out and, and play early on. I imagine they probably play like because they have zero incentive, but they have they already have a one seed locked in. I would imagine they play. It's like a preseason game, play like a quarter. I'm just guessing here, um, and that's kind of what this line implies. Well, it implied that when the line when it was like a pick, you know, that's kind of what it implies. I, I make this line like eleven and a half. I think if it was like just no no rest at four, you know, half of, you know, you're, you're basically saying, all right, they're going to play some portion of the first half. Obviously you don't know. They could play the whole first half, but they're going to play. And it golf, I think might play. That's another thing that's uncertain here. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look to bet the lines live. Now you got to be quick, but maybe the Packers come out and they go up 10, 10, nothing. As soon as they hit that second score, like if this happens, the Lions could always score too. But if they go up two scores at any point, boom, Lions. Because you assume everyone gets pulled then. They got their work in. They want to just stay in routine, I think, and they want to just get their little game action. So we'll see what the market is like and how sharp it is and how giving it is on the Lions Live. But I'll be looking for the Lions Live. Other than that, it's a very difficult game to handicap because you don't, you just don't know how long – Green Bay is going to play. And obviously the difference between Rodgers and not Rodgers is about seven points for a full game. Yeah. He's uh, he's pretty much, you know, the most valuable quarterback to the spread um, right there with Brady and, and Mahomes, depending on how you have it rated, but. And yeah, then if you take Adams out, you take Adams out, you take, and you just go on and on. I would be surprised if Rodgers plays. I mean, I know it's Wednesday and they're saying he's going to play and they they don't want that same uh, situation to happen that it did in 2011, but you kind of hit on a point. Like, 
they could still rest guys who are banged up. Rogers banged up. He's had a toe injury for what months now, weeks at least. Uh, and he hasn't been practicing. Why, why, why would you go, you lock up the one seat a week early. That's a, you did the only buy. So you did like the, you, the best case scenario possible could have happened to you. Why would you play Rogers even a snap where he could get his toe stepped on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think they want to say it because I think they still want to, you know, other guys to play. And I still think they want to uh, beat the Lions, obviously. I think they want guys to be confident heading into the, the playoffs and into the bye. But I think Rogers sits. I think he straight up sits hmm. in this game. I think he plays two drives. I, I don't think they're risky. Because, like, I mean, like Matt LaFleur – like no, I get it. I wouldn't play yeah, it either. But like, I, I, but Matt Lafour's smart. It's like that's the thing. It's like we sit here a lot and we've talked about and we've lost money, you know, betting against the Packers. But you know, got to give Matt Lafour a lot of credit, you know, for what he's done these first three seasons. Yeah. Um, and I just think he's smarter than that. You know, I, I think he's I just think he's smarter than that. Like, I think he's that's that's why the Packers tend to come. They have two reasons. It's it's Aaron Rodgers, but remember Aaron Rodgers wasn't that great for like that span in there the last few years under McCarthy. So now it's like they, they overachieve every year. Like, it's like, Oh, we look at their point differential and we look at how many games they've actually won, how many games they've actually covered. It's they're always overachieving. We're always like, Hey, maybe we should bet against them. It's like, Nope. It's like, and this, I just don't, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's going to actually do it. Like, I think he might think, I think he might think better of it, but I, I think it's more just gamesmanship early in the week, make the line. Like, why not make the lines prepare for everyone? Because you want to give love the best chance too, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's just a gut feel. I don't have any insight into, but I, I would not be surprised if Rodgers plays exactly zero snaps in this game. Hmm. Uh, all right, let's go to Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota's three-and-a-half-point favorites. The total's 44-and-a-half. I, I, I kind of wonder, Stuck. you know, first of all, I should point out that Minnesota's getting 91% of the bets and 93% of the money. Uh, so, you know, big uh, – the books really need or want Chicago here. But I'm just kind of curious, what do you think – how do you think these teams come out emotionally? We pretty much know it's Nagy's last game. Uh, could very well be Mike Zimmer's last game. So, uh, And it's just a kind of divisional matchup, but it means absolutely nothing. So, like, where do you think both – each of these teams' heads are at heading into this one? No clue. Don't care. Don't want to watch. Don't have any opinion. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, uh, Cousins is apparently going to play, but maybe he won't. I think Zimmer's like checked out. This team might be checked out yeah. uh, after last week. The Bears are playing hard of late. Credit for that. The Vikings just been on a downward spiral, and I just have no interest in them without feeling it's a whole different offense. And who knows how Cousins is going to look? This is the worst part of Week 18 games like this. Take the Bears money line if you want. Like it's, yeah. it's a high, higher variance game. Yeah, you got Zimmer as a favorite. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what to do. Tampa Bay, Carolina. Talk about a line that says something. Tampa Bay after blowing out Carolina almost two weeks ago, 32 to six. Now on the road, just seven and a half point underdogs, the total 41 and a half. But I'm, it, this is, this is really interesting because the line is coming down. Yeah, this line's implying that the pucker, the, the starters aren't going to play the whole game for Tampa, but Arians has come out and said that they will. And last year they did yeah. like in this similar spot, they played the whole game and Brady usually plays the whole game, but they have, they have a lot more injuries than normal, you know, and you lose Antonio Brown. So there's two, there's two sides of the coin. It's like, all right, well, we can't afford any more injuries right now, given our situation. Or it's like, we got to get work in, you know, like let's, we have to get reps with these other receivers. We have to get chemistry with Brady. Um, 
But Aaron's come out and he's pretty, he's like an old school guy. He's adamant that they're going to play. And Brady usually plays these games. And last year, the Bucks in a similar spot, they didn't win the division. They couldn't have won the division. They could have like improved their seed from six to five. And they played the Falcons in the last game of the year and their starters played the entire game. Uh, like Evans has some incentives. I know that. Um, but this line implies that Brady's going to play like a half and then they're going to call it a day. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's weird to me. Here's the interesting this thing. Is a, this, is a, this is a baffling week 18 one. Yeah. Like, so the line has come down a little bit, you know, in, you know, toward the, the, the Panthers. It's seven and a half at BetMGM. We've tracked 69% of the bets and 99% of the money on the books. So this is like, the books are just taking a stand here. Like, this is like, okay, like, everyone's like y'all are wrong like you know they, they must have took some you know big big money on tampa and they knew they were and then once that once they got that money uh you know the line they moved the line moved the other way so it, it, yeah it's a fascinating one it, there seems to be a lot of these ones where the books are kind of taking a, a stand here uh in this one and maybe maybe that big money is not it's not necessarily sharp money it's just big money but either way it's it's fascinating um all right final one seattle at arizona the cards, six and a half point favorites. The total was 48. Seattle getting 65% of the bets and 99% of money. So I don't know. So, some, so, is it the same guy just betting big on all these, in these uh, divisional, uh, these division games here uh, on one side or the other? I don't know. But uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I think this line is a bit too high. The Cardinals are coming kind of predictable. It's like take them on the road as dogs yeah. and then fade them at home um, and fade them as favorites. Like, I want to fade the Cardinals here. I want seven. I think I prefer the over. I'm going to dig a little more, but this, I, if you recall, not to pat myself on the back, but like a month, about a month and a half ago, before the 49ers game, I was like, the, the, the Seahawks are an over team, and they've been like an over, just an over juggernauts over the last five weeks, besides that Rand game. I think they're four and one of the over, because like their offense was underperforming. Like yeah. their early downs, they were elite, but it wasn't translating the points. It wasn't translating late downs, and their defense was like elite in the scoring department, but they had some worrying signs. And then like, now they've had like all these shootouts since, and then Russ is healthy. Right. And you saw Russ finally, you know, he's, I think he's fully healed and he finally started to cook over the past couple weeks. So and and I think well. this is a game. They're running the ball now. They can run yeah, the ball again. I, and I think that, I think that this is a game where, and, and the, and the Cardinal secondary is a mess right now. I think this is a game where Carroll also will be aggressive. Like that's one of the things that I hate about Seahawks overs generally. And that's one, one of the reasons I started playing them lately. Cause it's like, now they have nothing to lose. Right. So it's not, it's not like Carol's like, Oh, we got to run it. And like, we got to punt on fourth and one. So I think you'll get, it's like the last game of the year. Um, so, um, and I think Mary will have some success, some success against the Seahawks. So I, I think that this, this total is a little low. Um, and I would look Seattle if you can grab a seven. All right. That is going to wrap it up for the best of the rest. Time for our survivor pool pick of the week. If you're still in it and you're like, congratulations. Uh, I can't imagine it's like a lot of people that still are. You obviously, as you say, <laughs> y'all don't need our help. But if you had to pick one team, you know, lock to win this week, who would it be? Yeah, I mean, I would go Bills, but you probably use them. I mean, obviously, if you like have the Colts, you got to use them. Um, but you probably you probably have used them. Um, yeah, I, I would I would use the Chargers if you haven't, or Dallas if you haven't. But you might have used them. Washington. You could use Washington. You probably haven't used them. But if you're still in it and you have limited options, we haven't mentioned. Just uh, 
and you're in a big pool, DM me and I'll try to help you out. But yeah. you probably don't need my help. You're in it. I'm out of mind. Thanks, yeah. Sean Hockley. <laughs> yeah, I think Washington's an interesting one that people might not have used that. I, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a good uh, point. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our Week 18 Action Network podcast. As a reminder, you can follow all of our picks on the award-winning Action Network app. Just search for Sunday Six Pack in the app's follow feature. Uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And, uh, of course, we will be back for the playoffs. So we'll be here uh, every week throughout the Super Bowl, continuing to break everything down, give you our picks. Uh, we might have to switch it up in terms of the you know how we do it with, the, with less games on the slate, but we'll definitely be uh, going more in-depth obviously breaking down each of the games. So yeah. yeah, stay tuned. And, uh, and you can follow stuck on Twitter at Stucky too. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning action network app. Uh, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our betting and our fantasy content and fantasy labs for our DFS content. Happy new year. Let's get this money. Let's go.